Saludo mi gente, as we do what we do here at What Would a PK Say? Talking to old friends and meeting new people. In today's show, I will have a guest who I just met myself. I'm super excited to introduce to you guys, so let's all meet him at the same time. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. My name is Jorge Caballero, but my friends and my family, everybody knows me as Tato. Tato? Yeah. Where'd that come from? I have no idea. <laughs> this mystery. Yeah, Yeah, man. Uh, in a nutshell, bro, who's Jorge, bro? Yeah, man. I was born in Colombia, uh, born and raised there. We came to the U.S. in 2004. We've been in Tampa since then. And um, I married and I'm pastoring a church right now in Tampa, the church that my father used to pastor up until uh, three years ago when he passed away. Mm. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. How old are you? 26. 26, and you're pastoring? Yep. Your dad's church. Is it your dad's church? Yeah. Yep. Wow, man. That's intense. Yeah. How do you definitely. feel about that? I love it, man. I love it. It's the, the dream job, dream life. I'm living the life. <laughs> Obviously, you know, it's it, it's hard, but, you know, hard isn't bad. Nah, man. I was just talking to my daughter yesterday. Whatever is worthwhile is not easy. Right. Exactly. And I really like that the way you say it's your living, uh, your dream job. Because, yeah. bro, for, for a lot of people, it's almost um, not the dream yeah. job. <laughs> right, right, right. A nightmare can be a dream too, you know. But <laughs> hey, man, that's why they call them nightmares. Not as fun, bro. Um, did you, did you know? Did you feel? Did you have an inclination to, to maybe being a pastor when you grew up as a youngster, as, as a teenager? Uh, no, no, not at all. Actually, um, I, I've heard. Uh, I actually, um, in one of my first uh, courses that I took at Southeastern, I remember a young man said, a "Young man," I said as if I'm any older than them. But a young man said, um, you know you're going to be a pastor when there's absolutely nothing else in this world that you're good at. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way hmm. because I was like, man, that's kind of sad. There should be many things that you could do <laughs> in the world. And, and maybe pastor is the one that God tugged your heart to. So I didn't want to be a pastor. I, I saw the ugly side of church growing up. And that's the last thing I wanted to do. I gravitated toward music and music education, which is what I was doing during the time. And we had a music school. We had worked at Instituto Cancion for a few years. And then just, um, I started taking up a lot of other things that I, I really enjoyed. I got into a lot of stuff. And the more things that I did, the more I felt God tugging me to being a pastor for some random reason. And then, you know, I think once my father started getting sick, I, um, Spent more time with him. He started talking to me more, and um, he never pressured me. And he told me to make the choice, but that God was expecting me to make a choice to what I was going to do with what He had given me and the family. And um, just once he passed away, it was it was. I picked up his phone. Uh, I looked at his messages, and he had a phone with a pastor friend of his, Giovanni, pastors a church called El Camino here in Tampa as well. And um, well, it's called Mission Familia now, actually. And uh, he told them, I'm going to pass away tomorrow, and it'll be my son's turn after that. Mm. I sent that to him the day before he passed away. 
And it's just, you know, those things that you can't put into words. I, I knew right there and then that, you know, that's the calling that I wanted over, over my life. And I had already been in Southeastern for three years studying practical ministry mm -hmm. just because I, 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 I was already feeling in my heart the tug from God. But I didn't know it was going to be this soon. You know, I thought maybe you know, like when I'm, you know, when I'm 30 something and I've got kids, you know, then I can start ministering. But I mean, wow, man, to read something like that is intense. Yeah, that's a very interesting story, man. Very interesting story. Man, you're really young. You're already you're already going through the pastor thing. Yeah. Did you did you how was how was your, your life at home? Did you feel like a lot of pressure as a pastor's kid? Growing up, not so much. I know I know the pressure, but my father did a really good job at making sure that his number one ministry was at home and that he dedicated time to us, honestly. And having having my dad around and and um, i say having him around but really it was like you know just whatever time he could give us he gave it to us but he was always at the church mm. um just you know pastor kids are used to that but my dad made sure that he had a good relationship with with the congregation at all times and i think that was key for people looking at us with a loving eye because i you know i wasn't perfect and pastor kids we tend to kind of taste and see around the world just because that's something that we don't grow up with And so, you know, I went through my fallout seasons and I went through through all of that stuff. But because of the love that my dad had cultivated in other people, I never felt pressure. I felt encouragement and I felt I felt people want to push me forward into what God wanted for my life rather than push me away because of some of the things I did. So, I, you know, I never felt pressure as a person, but I did feel the tug of certain people telling me, you're going to be a pastor one day <laughs> like your dad. And Before all of this, it, it was kind of overwhelming because, I, like I told you, I didn't want to do anything pastoring-wise. What was your favorite uh, memory as a pastor's kid? Mm. That's, a, that's a big question for me. <laughs> a big question for me. I, my, my favorite memory as a pastor's kid, I think it'd have to be, I have so many. It'd have to be when I was growing up in Colombia, we used to have communion in our little church Uh, back in Bucaramanga, and what they would do for the kids is that they wouldn't do, like, unleavened bread. They would do Colombian bread, and Colombian bread is, like, 75% cheese. Yeah. And so they would get that, and they would dip it into a cup of freshly squeezed grape juice and then shove it in the mouth of the kids <laughs> and look forward to communion because it was, like, this this beautiful taste of, <laughs> of, of bread and juice. And that still carries over with me today, but it takes a whole new meaning, you know, it. It, it really showed me how sweet, you know, Jesus' sacrifice for my life is. And so it really marked me. Like to this day, I, I think about those moments. And it's made, it's made my life as a pastor's kid very meaningful to me now. And just because of little things like that, you know? Yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. I like that. Is that pan de bono? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's pan de bono. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's as far as I go with Colombian food, man. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> On the flip side, bro, I'm afraid to even ask. What was your your least favorite as a PK? Yeah, that that one's easier actually. It's funny how it's easier to come up with the bad ones. Seeing my dad get burnt out, I think that was the hardest thing. When a pastor is likable and he's a hard worker and he's gentle, people tend to take advantage of him. And I could see people take advantage of my dad, maybe not in a, like a bad way, like they were trying to take advantage of him, 
but I, I would see people depend on my dad way more than they were supposed to, and that burnt him out. In our grieving process for his death, um, some of my uncles were saying that it was, it was pastoring that killed him. And mind you, all of my uncles and aunts are pastors. Some of them, his best friend, my, my, his older brother, pastor of an extremely successful church in Colombia, and he said pastoring killed him uh, because my dad was too nice. And obviously now we've, we've gone and we've healed from those expressions, but there was some truth to them. And, and it was hard for me to see that. And I still grieve it to this day, just all of the times that I saw my dad completely drained because of other people's issues that they wanted him to fix. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I think uh, all PKs go through that. Yeah. Um, especially if, if you're, if your dad is, is, is one of those great pastors, great people that that everybody in marriage and loves yeah i definitely see my dad getting tired and he he worked all the time he either he had a secular job and then after the secular job he would work and then work at home and then work at somebody else's house and then yeah <laughs> work a little bit more mm. but all good man that's uh that's the life of the pastor i think to give to the people man yeah i think that's the mission of the church to give to the people not to right. not to give to the church right Around what age did you feel that tug in your heart for being a pastor? I was, I was in junior year of high school when I felt God calling me to ministry, but not as a, not vocational ministry, like not as what I did. I wanted to be a, I, I thought I was going to be a civil engineer, but I wanted to do something with worship pastoring because I was passionate about the music culture and about all that stuff. And so it was around junior year when I felt it for pastoring like as, as a, like pastoring, pastoring, that happened in 2013. We graduated high school in 2012, and my friend Carlos Lara and I, in, in the job that we had teaching music, one day we just felt that God had told both of us that we needed to go into pastoring some, someday. Intense, bro. It's cool that, that you felt that at such a young age. It's really difficult coming up as a, as a youngster, as a, as a teenager. You're not very old, man. So, so you've been you coming up in this in this crazy atmosphere, and knowing, knowing that God is tugging at your heart. I think it's I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, but I think that's the key. I think it's knowing God was tugging at your heart because, the truth is, God God calls the young. He knows us since birth, and He's tugging. He's tugging away even in our teenage years, but we don't know it's God yet. I think the key was that. God, I mean, I don't say I got lucky, but God blessed me by my, me being able to recognize it was him on time and not when it was too late. And I'm, I'm glad for that, honestly, because he's been he's, he had been tugging for a while. But, I, I, you know, you, you see it's him after a bit. Yeah. yeah. Being that being that you're the pastor now at the church that your dad was the pastor. Do you feel a pressure on that or like you mentioned before, you got you just engulfed with with so many people that are looking for the positive in mm. you. Do you feel a pressure on that? Oh man, I'm now I'm my dad's church, and yeah, what you, do I do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely feel pressure in that sense. When my father passed away, my uncle Eduardo, who got moved here so he could start an extension campus of the church in Saint Pete, um, he took over here for about eight months. And during those eight months, uh, we could tell the pressure because they wanted him to be my dad, but it, that, that wasn't gonna happen. And so then when, when the 
board of elders and my uncle and the congregation came forward asking for, for me if I was ready to transition into pastoring. Uh, and I had agreed the first year, there wasn't any pressure. It was like people were so happy that, you know, it was Jorge Jr. pastoring and, and they just they could see me and they could see him in me and, and just the family. It was this joy of, of things happening. But I knew that was going to happen because it, it takes three years for real change to happen when you have a leadership transition in a church. It can take more than that, but normally it's three years. The statistics say that during the three years, you're going to have a lot of struggle. But my first year, it was, it was like a breeze. I felt this, the, the pressure of making sure we got through the year and all, all the events of the church. But it was at the second year and the third year that I started feeling the pressure of people. Because now, you know, it's not that the magic has worn off, but they know me now. And so now I'm, not, I'm no longer surprising people. Now I'm receiving expectations. You know, I, I obviously, I, I, I want to make sure people enjoy their time in church, but I'm not living for their expectations, not even for mine. There are things I want to do in the church that God doesn't want me to do, so I'm just going to hold off on them. But, but you still feel the pressure, and it's, it's rough. I got to be honest with you. It's hard. Yeah, man. I, 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 um, I like how you talk, though, man. Like, you have a, a, really, good, a really good head on your shoulders, man. I, your dad has, has done a great job raising you. Your parents have done a great job raising you, and um, whatever you've learned, man, you, you're you're really putting it to practice. And I can really tell by the way you express yourself. And that's one of the things that that I really liked while you were talking with with Lemuel. It's like, man, it's, it's interesting. This guy looks super young. I mean, not that I look so young, but a lot. I get that a lot. And yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. man, this guy's probably older than what he looks. That's probably <laughs> why he's talking like that. But man, you're 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 really young, and and you seem like you have a really good grasp on what you want to do as far as what God wants you to do, and that's that's amazing, and I, and I really commend you on that, bro. I really do. I appreciate it, bro. So, as a musician, were you a musician because you liked music? Were you a musician because there was no musicians in the church? <laughs> it was a mix. We know we know how it is. You know, every pastor kid ends up playing seventeen instruments because yeah. you don't anybody in the band but my dad knew uh, we had no musicians but my dad was a musician growing up his father was a was a, a guitar teacher in Colombia and so it was my dad and his little nylon guitar that's how you know that's how it always is mm. and he bought a keyboard left it at the house didn't pressure me didn't tell me to do anything but you know I just started messing with the keys and the next thing I know I guess you know by ear I, I picked it up and and it went from there. It went from there. I, I started learning the other instruments. And then I started helping in the church. So it was a mixture of them. I knew the necessity. And that definitely woke me up to helping my dad out um, music-wise. But, but yeah. When did you start playing with the, with the piano? Uh, I picked up the piano when I was around, I think I was 14 years old. It was, I think that's like eighth grade. And just kind of messing with it. I played trumpet in middle school because they made me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I just played keyboard, but like just casually. And then a few years later, I picked up the bass and the drums. And then junior year of high school, that's when I bought my first guitar. And guitar is sort of the thing that I stuck with for the rest of the time. And it's kind of what, what, I, what I enjoy most. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. My, my, my older brother plays guitar. Yeah, that's awesome. We're a pretty musically inclined family. My my older brother plays guitar, my cool. sister sings, mm -hmm. my middle brother plays percussion, and I started playing trumpet. 
Oh, yeah? But then I learned better. Now I play trombone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I always say that. But I, I started playing trumpet um, because I loved Richie Ray and Bobby Cruz. Oh, yeah, come and, on. And, you know, it's all trumpet with them. And then I just started listening to music with trombones. Okay. And the, the sound, I, I kind of fell in love with the sound. And, and mm. a buddy of mine was like, hey, man, I got a trombone. If you want it, you can have it. And that was it. So my brother was a musician because we needed musicians, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it, was a, it was a good bunch of people. It was a good bunch of people. Mm. And, and we were lucky enough to be surrounded by other people that knew music. Not yeah. so much educated music right that music that comes from the inside yeah yeah and i think i think you have to have that first mm -hmm. and then learn how to read yeah because you said you did you say you studied music yeah i actually studied music for a few years um we went to a private academy and then we went to we actually were at hcc for for a few years do in their music program there you went to ebor yep who'd you have uh, we had Dr. Winslow. Yeah, that yeah. dude's a genius. He is a genius. It's yeah. insane. Hanks? <laughs> yeah. He's awesome, bro. So did you play in a jazz band? No, no. We actually, um, we didn't know how it worked. So we were just signing up for music classes, and it was a total mess. So we never signed up for a band, and that's why our degree was all kinds of messed up. Uh -huh. um, Winslow reached out to us and said, you, you guys... Uh, we thought you were minoring in music because you haven't taken the the route that you're supposed to. Um, <laughs> and he's like, but it's okay. You guys have pretty much done everything. We had done theory one, two, and three. Um, we had everything except the actual like we had to do. You know the 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 whatever the practice is, and then the band. Mm. So you didn't get any um, like guitar lessons. No, no. It, no. it would have been. It would have been Demas. That Demons, yeah, yeah. I, I talk to Demas very often, and yeah. uh, Hanks, Hanks. I just, well, it was Father's Day, so I text them real quick. Mm. And um, man, it's those people are really, really good people. If you ever have a chance and reach out to them, they'll, they'll, they'll. Every once in a while, I go watch a concert like jazz, yeah, or something like that. It's pretty cool, man. Awesome. But it's cool, man, and and I like that that you've you've taken that route as far as learning music because that's really important because you'll have yeah. you have i think the best of the both of both worlds you know the practical practice and mm -hmm. you know to to play in church i think to play in church is a blessing in disguise oh yeah and then learn the theory and 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 the science quote yeah. unquote about it it really really helps out because your ear gets so in tune when you play in church yeah. especially yeah, when sure. you're in an older like an old school type church mm. where you got to mm. kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, man. Bro, so it, you're you're a young guy, bro. You're young, and I keep on saying it. You've gone through what you've gone through, which is pretty heavy. If you had something to say, I'll go slow so you can think about it while I talk. <laughs> if you had something to say for an upcoming pastor's kid, maybe going through a, a rough time, maybe in their teens, maybe in their 20s, that have had something as drastic as what you, what happened to, to you and your family. Yeah. And then somebody say, pastoring killed them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's deep, man. Yeah. That's something to burn you and never come back. And here you are 
pastoring. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's been something that God has really worked in, in my heart, especially lately. You know, it, it takes a long time to grieve over a person, and especially your dad. I mean, few people understand because, you know, like nowadays in our society, we're losing our fathers. You know, the, the father figure is not the same as it used to be before. You know, not, not, not every father is teaching their sons how to be a man. And praise be to God that, that you know, there's still that practice alive. But, but for me, my father was, was everything. He was my superhero. He was Jesus in my life, which also is, is damaging in a way because he lived his life to make sure that nobody thought he was, he was meant to be Jesus for them. But, but he was for me. I mean, like, I think about it today, and he would be so mad if I said this, but <laughs> I can't find a flaw in that man. I can't. I can't find a, a flaw with that man. And sometimes I feel, you know, the Bible says that there are people that we were not worthy of in this world. And I think my dad was one of those people. We just weren't worthy of, of, of a person like Jorge. And, and so that hits you really hard in a really weird way. This Father's Day was especially hard for me. And that was just a few nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still remember those things and paired up with some of the stress of the third year of pastoring. It was, it was a hard, it was a hard year for me. And I totally get where those comments came from, but you go through some really dark places when you go through grief and through loss where the enemy attacks, uh, sort of who you are. I, I, I can think of a verse in, in Judas, I think it's one Judas one verse six. I might be saying the wrong chapter. But it says that there are angels that gave up their legitimate position and God put them in prisons until the day of judgment. But it says that they gave up their status. It says that they give up their status and their legitimate position. And they're referring to Satan's deceiving of the angels. And I, I was pretty shocked when I had read that that one time that I read it because I was like, okay, so even angels got tricked out of their position. And I, that's when I took a step back and said, okay, hold up. The devil is clearly attacking me into giving up my position as a pastor's kid. Because as pastor's kids, we have a, very, a privilege. And one thing I would tell people maybe that are going through something rough is you don't have to go into ministry unless God tugs you that way. But he's going to tug you. Mm-hmm. He's going to tug you in some way. And that's okay. You, you, you figure out how you're going to listen to that voice, whether you, know, you go into full-time ministry or if you just do ministry and, and, and still go out into the world and, and make a living there. That, I mean, that's, that's ministry as well. But never give up your, your legitimate position. Like Satan is never going to be able to attack God's nature. He can't do that. Even the angels that got tricked out of their legitimate position as angels cannot deny that God is the king of the universe. But that, that wasn't the issue. Satan didn't get them to deny that. He got them to deny who they were. And, and I think that's what, that's what gets a pastor's kid. Because a pastor's kid, at the end of the day, I've met pastor's kids that hate the church, hmm. but get them to deny that God is powerful. They, it can't come out of their mouth. It can't be a tradition, be it the Holy Spirit, whatever. But you know what they do deny? They deny their place in the church. They deny their place as, as children of God. So we have a place that the devil's going to try to trick us out of. And I think it's really important to remember that before being ministers, before being perfect, we're, we were children of God. And, and I tell that to myself every morning. Before a pastor, I'm, I'm a child of God. And that is my legitimate position. The devil can try and trick me out of, my, out of my ability to be a pastor. Every day he tries to do that. 
but he cannot trick me out of my position as a son of God. And once I do that, it's a weight lifted off my shoulders, man. Hmm. Awesome, bro. Awesome, man. I, I really like that. I really like that that point that you're saying that that the devil's trying to steal your identity in Christ. And he's yeah. trying to make you deny who you are in Christ, yeah. man. I really like that. I really like that a lot, man. Thank you for those words, man. Jorge, thank you so much for your time, for your patience, your 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 willingness to, to come and, and talk to us here at What Would a PK Say? I really appreciate it, man. And uh, I'm sure that, that there's a pastor's kid out there that needed to hear your words, man. Mm. That needed to hear your words. And, and uh, again, thank you. And uh, until the next time, bro, it was great to meet you. You already know. God bless you, bro. Thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to subscribe.